Welcome to Inside the Writer's Cafe. I'm Cheryl Mason. Our show features the hottest authors and introduces you, our listeners, to exciting new authors talking about themselves and their latest work. Fantasy, friendship, coming of age, and spirituality are all themes from this week's novels. Author Janet Sezonic lets her imagination create a world of fantasy and fighting, friendship and honor, strength and bravery. In the fourth novel of her Journey series, Journey to Flight Deceptions, Valkyrie, Thor, and Burnhilt set out on an adventure where they must conquer the ultimate evil. Josie by Fred Warren is the story of 12-year-old Josie Spencer. Josie has a secret, a secret so big that she can hardly keep it. With whom could she possibly share this secret? Will the secret change Josie? Should she tell her mother? And the biggest question of all, what is Josie's secret? Janet Sasonic started writing when she was a child. She moved from short stories to poetry to stories of adventure. Currently, she's writing a young adult fantasy novel series with a journey theme. Journey to the Land of Diamond Fire, Journey of Past Secrets, and Journey to Solve the Riddles of Treachery are the first three novels. Janet joins us today to talk about the fourth novel in the series, Journey to Flight Deceptions. Janet, welcome! Thank you, and thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. You have created a world of fantasy and fighting, friendship and honor, and strength and bravery with this group of friends that you have that travel around and fight evil. Did you start this whole series on purpose? Did you mean to write a series? Actually, the very first book I wrote Almost 20 years before I published it, I always knew it was going to be these first three characters that you're introduced to, Valkyrie and Thor and Bernhild, and they took on such a life of their own that after the first book, I'm like, well, I could easily do a sequel to this. And then I wrote the second book, and the second book is kind of a cliffhanger into the third and the third into the fourth. I didn't want to... I didn't want to be as presumptuous to say in the first book, oh, you have to read the second to follow what's going on. But the second, third, and fourth kind of go into each other. Let's talk about especially the recurring characters because it's my experience that when an author writes a series, they do have those characters that go from the first novel novel to the second to the third to the fourth, and I understand that you're also working on a fifth. So let's talk about those characters. Okay. Uh, the first one I'll mention is Valkyrie. She is a very strong character, a very uh, female warrior who left her village in the first book because a sacred icon was stolen from her village. And being that her and her family were the ones in charge of security and protecting the village because their religion said it cannot be stolen, it has to be returned, or a terrible calamity will happen if it's not returned to the temple. It was up to her to go and get it. And in the process of her quest, she ended up meeting Thor, 
who was traveling unbeknownst to her to the same group of raiders who attacked her village because they also had attacked his friend's kingdom and attacked his niece and basically threatened to come back and harm her again. And the poor thing was obviously terrified, and he was basically going out as a mercenary to avenge what happened to her. And they ended up meeting, and since they were going after the same raiders, they decided to join forces. And then the last one is Brunhild? Brunhild is is actually my favorite character that's recurring through the entire book. He's what one of my readers described as Valkyrie and Thor's Jiminy Cricket. He's, <laughs> he's a wonderful little guy. He's a half, uh, a half dwarf, half elf. He is older than them, so in a lot of ways he's wiser. He doesn't have the same temper that both Valkyrie and Thor have, so he's not as impulsive. He could pull them back a little bit, but he's also... He also knows how to fight, obviously nowhere near as strong as his two companions, but he's also a healer, which is very handy to have as you're going through, you know, fighting people. It helps to have somebody who might be able to fix you. You know, I think it's great the way that you have taken these characters and given them, it reminds me of the value that each of us has in society because you've given each of these characters their own particular strengths. And it when I say strength, I don't necessarily mean physical strength because you right. just talked about Brunhild being a, a, a healer. I think it's great that you've taken these three characters and they all support one another and each one brings something, quote, differently, I'm doing air quotes here, to the party. <laughs> And I think that, that that is a reflection to me of the way friendship, true friendship, works. Absolutely. I think that most of the strongest friendships that most people have in their lifetimes, they say opposites attract. And a lot of times your friends have a lot in common with you, but one might be, you know, the cooler one and one might be the more impulsive one and you know, hey, let's go off on this little adventure and, and, you know, go to this party or whatever. And the quieter one begrudgingly goes, knowing she's probably going to call, you know, bring this one home too early because the other one wants to stay too long and get into trouble. That's kind of the best friendships. And that's exactly what these three do. I mean, they meet many, many people on their way. Go, some friends, some more and more enemies. But they're always, they always have each other's back, and they always know what each other's weaknesses is. They're not perfect. They know this one's not good at this. This one's not good at this. This one might tend to let his anger override his reason and jump into a battle he's not prepared for. So they all support each other in that way. Well, let's talk about their latest adventure. Let's talk about Journey to Flight Deceptions. What's going to happen? I mean, I know the harpies are playing a role in this, and this is a very, I loved it. As I was reading it, I thought, yes, 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 and I'm right there fighting the battles <laughs> with you. So let's talk a little bit about what's happening in this novel. Well, the harpies were an interesting little creation I made. Obviously, everybody's heard of harpies in different mythologies, and I just put them into my own little how I see them. And... Like I said, the 
second, third, and fourth book run into each other, and the fourth book is kind of the climax of what's been happening. Because unbeknownst to the main characters, there has been this one character that you don't see very much in the book. You see just an undercurrent of this person, but they, for their own basically political gain in the kingdom that Thor is friends with, that person feels that this trio is in her way to for her to get into the hierarchy of the royal court and is doing things under the table, so to speak, to try to destroy them and has been sneaky enough so far that they don't realize it's her. But this all comes up, comes to a head in this fourth book. And she's a spy, so she's she's giving information to their enemies, the Harpies, at this point. And they really have a problem with Valkyrie. What is it that Valkyrie has done to the Harpies that's made them so angry? The Harpies are able to control the males of any species with their siren call. Valkyrie has is the only one who's been able to defeat them in any battle because she's a strong warrior woman. She's brave enough to do what she needs to, and she ended up rescuing a group of men that the Harpies had held captive because of being a woman and not being affected by the siren call. She was able to get in there long enough to get them out. And the leader of the Harpies can't deal with the fact that they were defeated, basically. And that's one of the segues from Journey to Solve the Riddles of Treachery into the latest novel, the Journey to Flight Deceptions, right? Correct. So we're going to have a battle. We don't start out that way, though. The book begins with a party. They're, yes. they're in the kingdom of Lordsgate, and the queen is planning this big party, and she's very excited about this big celebration. Oh, she's a she's a complete doting mother. She's like the, the old-fashioned Italian grandmother who's planning this huge party with, you know, so much food that no one could possibly eat it all. And this is what she loves to do. And this is a, basically a yearly festival, and everything is happy-go-lucky, and right in the middle of all of this, problems start to occur. Right, which any good fantasy book is going to have the problems begin to occur so that the adventure can start. Absolutely. Now, there's a fifth book. Yes, I'm in the process of working on the fifth book. Well, the fourth one is so much fun. I read the excerpt on Amazon, and if any of our listeners are interested in perhaps starting with that excerpt, they can go to Amazon.com, and they can just put in your name. And I'm going to spell your last name, Janet, because they may not exactly know how to spell it. It's C-E-S-A-N-E-K. And they can put in Journey to Flight Deceptions by Janet, S- Janet S- I- I'm trying to get Susanic out, Sedlonic. There we go. I got it. Yes, you did. Yeah. It's, it, sometimes my mouth works and sometimes it doesn't when I'm doing these interviews. Sorry. <laughs> I have the same problem. That's one of the reasons I'm a writer and not a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> well, they could go and put your name in and will they be able to find the other three books they all if you put my name on 
on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com or AuthorHouse.com. All four books come up. They're available in softcover and hardcover, and they're also available in Kindle format for those who prefer that. Oh, perfect. Now, I know that there are listeners who would like to know more about the books, like to know more about the characters, perhaps like to know more about you. Is there a way that they can connect with you? They can go to the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Janet Sasonic. And I am in the process of making up a website that will be connected to the Facebook page that they'll be able to click onto it because more and more people have asked about a website and I will probably have that one up within a month or two. And that way you could read a little more. I'll put more detailed descriptions of the characters so you could get to know them a little more. People become very attached to these characters, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, Burnhill is my creation, but he's really my favorite out of the three. I love it. Well, you know, I think you will have a favorite. As a writer, you see the characters there as real to you as reaching out and, and touching somebody that's sitting next to you. And that creative process is a very strong process. And I think, of course, some of your characters you'll like better than others. Oh, yes. And, of course, I have to put in, there's bad guy characters in there, and you have to have the characters that you love to hate as well. You have to have the characters like, oh, I can't stand this person, because you need somebody that's a real antagonist. Well, we've got... And I try to put that in. We've got to have somebody that fires the action, right? <laughs> exactly. Did you write this this particular book or this particular series just to entertain the reader or is there a deeper message or a deeper purpose that you had in mind? Well, writing has always been my creative outlet. Like I, like you said at the beginning of the interview, I've been writing my entire life. It's something that's therapeutic for me. It's something that's relaxing for me. And one of the best things for any writer is to have their works read. Whether you love them or whether you hate them, you want to be able to share them with everybody else. And that is one of the biggest goals. So I want people to be able to take these books and sit down for an hour or two and just relax and be able to escape the world for a little while and go into this little realm that I've created. So I would basically say entertainment is the most that I'm looking for. And I like the way that you use the word escape because that's that's one of the reasons that I'm such a big reader. It's a way that I use to manage my stress because if I can sit down and jump into the world in Journey to Flight Deceptions that you have created, I see those characters in my head. I see the action flowing in my head. And that doesn't give me time to think about what's going on in my own life. And so if I have a stressful job or if I'm uh, experiencing something bad in a family way or if I have an illness. I think reading is a very, very therapeutic thing to do for all kinds of wonderful reasons. And thank you for writing such good books. And thank you for joining us today, Janet. Thank you for having me and thank you for the compliment. You're listening to Inside the Writer's Cafe, brought to you on webtalkradio.net. 
Fred Warren is a graduate of the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. He always wanted to write since he was in the eighth grade and he received an A on a book essay. Fred has three passions in his life, his family, coaching youth athletics, and writing. He's joining me today to talk about his new novel, Josie. Fred, welcome. Hey, it's great to be with you. Well, let's start off by giving our listeners an overview of what Josie is about. Sure. Uh, Josie is uh, about a 12-year-old girl, Josie Spencer, a normal, everyday uh, 12-year-old girl that you would encounter uh, in any in any town, any city. Uh, and Josie discovers uh, just a brand-new world, an entirely new world, uh, kind of in line with uh, every 12-year-old as they start to kind of understand the world in a more abstract way. It was actually written for my daughter um, as she was starting to kind of understand more complicated things and, and just the world around her and see it in a different way. And, and Josie kind of follows that same mindset where uh, the, the story itself follows Josie as she discovers that she is, in fact, an angel. And we've all kind of come to be taught or learn about angels as being the spirits of those who have have passed away. And, and in the story, we find that there's a different context and that there are uh, some angels that live along with us and see things that we as everyday regular people cannot see. And she learns to utilize this ability to see other things to help those around her. Um, and in doing so, forces her to figure out who she can share this secret with, who she can trust, how will people perceive her, and also as she tries to learn of those pressures and, and how to deal with them, uh, it's, it's really just kind of a story that is about her growing up in the context of seeing things all that differently. I really enjoyed the way you started the book off, because you have her as a little 12-year-old girl sitting there thinking about all the things that kids think about. She's thinking about homework that she got from her teacher today, and she's thinking about a story that her friend told her about a two-headed turtle. She's not sure that she's fallen for that story, and so she asked questions about it. I really liked the way you started off because it gave us as a reader, sort of an insight into Josie's 12-year-old brain, and it made her a more real character, I think. So good job at the very beginning of the book, pulling the reader into Josie's world. Well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you to say. It was something that, um, uh, the first chapter was something that I wrote, rewrote, and rewrote again and again, probably, I would say, six or seven times before I, I felt like it was a good start to the story that I wanted to tell. And, um, you know, having a daughter who's right around that same age, it was good to be able to kind of do some quote-unquote research by just having some conversations with her about, uh, you know, her day or things that would go on. So it ended up working out really well from that standpoint, so I'm glad that it translated to, to you when you read it. Oh, it did very well. And I wondered, it, did she inspire you to write the book? It was it was really a combination of, of things. Um, as I said, you know, my daughter getting to that point um, just from a natural biological development where the brain starts to get to the point where they can 
where, where children can start to understand things and move out of that concrete operations to a more complicated view of the world. It was her learning to see things and ask questions that showed that she was starting to do that, as well as, uh, you know, an unfortunate event where my, my grandmother, Josephine, uh, passed away. And it was kind of a convergence of those, convergence of those two things that led me on to this story um, and it ended up being just a, a wonderful, uh, you know, experience for me because I felt that um, through the story I'm able to kind of demonstrate or, or show her some things that are important as she grows up, but at the same time, you know, still have that image of, of my grandmother in my mind. So it's it's kind of worked out for me, and, and the inspiration kind of came from both of them. Well, Josie hasn't had a really happy life at this point in in her uh, young life of 12 years because she's lost her dad. And so you paint that picture of a child that's lost her father. She's experienced that that real sense of pain and loss, and she still misses her dad. But she's just now beginning to come out of that pain and that loss, and she still has her mom, and she and her mom are very close. And when Josie discovers the secret, she has this conversation with Mr. Stone down the street uh, because there's an incident that occurs in the neighborhood, and she views it in a very interesting way, and she and Mr. Stone are the only two to see this. And she's, uh, she's hoist on her own petard, as it were. She can't decide whether to tell her mother about this or not because she and her mother have been pretty honest with each other to this point in time. She's told her a few little stories here and there, but she's sort of struggling a little bit with how much should I tell mom about what's going on? Right, right. And that's and that's really kind of, you know, I think been one of those things that I've seen as indicative, again, as my daughter kind of goes through uh, that growing up phase of what things do I share and what things do I keep and, and how big of a deal is this and, oh, this is something that I can keep under control and I can deal with this myself. And so I think that it, um, I think that it was a realistic aspect, but it also, it, it also um, you know, helps kind of drive the story and, and as she's trying to figure it up and, or figure it out and, and realize, you know, that she's kind of growing up during the process. And there's one line in there where, you know, she talks about, you know, being being a big girl and being an adult and, and adults have secrets. And, and so I, I think it was, you know, I think it just sticks along with that whole thought, that whole idea of growing up and maturing. And and um, and then also it, it kind of enca- it, it encapsulates that idea of trust and who can you trust. And, you know, this is a big deal. And, and so there's a lot of things in there, but I think the, the challenging part was to try to write it in a way that, um you know, an adult would enjoy and enjoy reading with their child, but at the same time that a child would fully understand. I agree with you. I think you've done that because when I when I began to read the story, I dropped right into the story, and I was right there with Josie. And I think I'm an adult. Some days I am and some days I'm not. <laughs> hey, that's a good thing. <laughs> I know. I dropped right in there with Josie. And I, I sat there, and as she was uh, walking down the street and saw this strange guy walking uh, down the street, and, and she and Mr. Stone sort of had this bonding experience, and then she begins to really sort of doubt Mr. Stone is the person that talks to her about angels. Where did this idea for creating a, a an earth angel, as it were, if you'll pardon the pun on the old song back in the fifties, where sure. did where did the idea uh, of how to create this whole 
angel idea come from? It really boiled down to the, you know, kind of the age-old um, story of, of good versus evil. And I think that as kids um, go through, you know, childhood and, and early adolescence, there's so many challenges that they're faced with where it really kind of boils down to, you know, good versus bad or doing the right thing versus doing the wrong thing. And so kind of taking that whole notion and then putting kind of like a, a storytelling spin or a fantasy, uh, fantasy spin on it is really kind of what led me to the course of a couple of days trying to figure it out that process. Um, and that's what led me to that. There had to be a character like Mr. Stone who helps her understand what's happening. Where did the idea for him come from? Is there a, a person that you use to write him, or is he just purely a, a fictional idea that came out of your imagination? Uh, the the older the, the point of the character being older is, is intended to be um, that he's got these life lessons and he's you know there to kind of tutor her through this, which I didn't think that someone who was younger would be able to do, at least uh, from a storytelling standpoint. In terms of uh, the 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 idea for him. Uh, it's similar to the idea for that kind of came about with my with my grandmother passing. Uh, I had a, a, a very dear friend uh, years ago who had passed away, and so that character is more of an homage to him. So again, it was a combination of things from real life, as well as how to kind of morph that into a way that would allow me to tell the story that I wanted to tell. Um, that that brought him to to fruition. And uh, you know, they always say that authors write things that they know and I think characters that have some sort of reality for us as as writers that we write them better and that they will have more of that smack of reality on the page than something that just comes strictly from imagination yeah I totally agree and it's and it's obviously you know that that interesting balance between being able to take some of those real life experiences and then be able to meld them so that they do have uh, a, a different feel or a, a original feel. Um, but I think any of those situations, even if you're writing something, um, you know, that takes place in the future and in, in an age that we can't fully understand now, there's still, it all boils down to individuals and characters and interactions between characters. And I think that there's, you know, there's something about that, that if we don't bring that as a writer, um, you know, our experiences to that, there's going to be a part of it that's not sincere. And I think that that's, uh, you know, a shame when that happens. I agree. And I, I think also one of the, the things that I had the feeling about is the, the generational moving on. We've got Mr. Stone, who's the older character, and now here Josie is coming up sort of behind him as the new age, the new generation. And so it has that cycle of life, coming of age quality to the book as well. Yeah, there's definitely a part of that, and I think uh, I think you know today's technology is really kind of probably the biggest example that we all face in that. Whereas, you know, things that uh, it, it's that same mentality. So there's things that Mr. Stone uh, can share with Josie um, experiences that he's had to kind of lead her through what she's facing, 
Um, but at the same time, there's things that she would be able to do, she will be able to do, that he can't even fathom because there's just a, when you're younger, there's a sense of I can do anything, and there's no necessarily limitations. There's not as many limitations that we, you know, provide on ourselves. So uh, I do foresee that, you know, being something that kind of continues to, to grow, you know, as the story, you know, continues. But it's really that, that idea of, you know, that generational piece that you you brought up, and I think that that's a, a great spot on your part because that's really some of the intent of the book. Thank you. I'm I'm glad I'm an intelligent reader. <laughs> <laughs> now, if our listeners want to know more about you and the book, I I went to Amazon and I put your name in with the title of the book, and it comes right up, and I'm able to read a really nice excerpt. So it would. Your name is very simple. I don't even need to spell it. It's just Fred Warren, exactly the way it sounds. And the title of the book is J-O-S-I-E, Josie. So if they put that in to the Amazon website, it'll come up there. But where else is it available, Fred? Uh, it's available at um, at my website, uh, which is uh, fredwarrenwrites.com. So you can get to it from that standpoint. Um, there's uh, There's links to get to places where you can buy it there. It's also available on AuthorHouse.com. Uh, AuthorHouse is the company that's helping me go through the self-publishing avenue. And um, and then it's available currently uh, at some bookstores locally where I am uh, here in Massachusetts. And I am working with, uh, with AuthorHouse to try to make that more of a national um, uh, a campaign, so that way we can try to get that into some other stores. But right now, at its very infancy, it's available mainly online and uh, locally here in Massachusetts in a couple of stores. Now you're on Twitter as well. I am. I uh, uh, I have uh, two separate accounts. I'm ha- having a lot of fun with the Twitter process. So I have my own account, which is F the letter F as in Fred, F Warren writes. Uh, but I also have uh, another Twitter account, which I'm really kind of enjoying utilizing which is uh, at Josie's book. So it's, uh, it's a Twitter site specific to this book and to the character of Josie Spencer. So uh, both of those, um, you know, I'm getting better at, at uh, utilizing those on a, on a consistent basis. Um, and it's still one of those things that as a writer I need to continue to kind of utilize. You're absolutely right. That social media tool is a very powerful tool, but there's so much. And you have to you have to have time to get out there and really take advantage of it. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, that's really the biggest thing is that time piece. You're exactly right. And, and uh, you know, writing as, as much as I, I love it, um, you know, I still have to, you know, maintain my, my full-time job currently. Um, so... Uh, there is that balance between that, and I. Uh, it's important to me to never lose my status as a full-time uh, husband and father. So, trying to make sure I balance all those things in the way that that works is is definitely something that's always been important to me. One question. One more question. If our readers read the book and they finish the book, what would you like for them to take away? Uh, that's a, that's an outstanding question. Um, real, really, uh, anything that I write uh, is meant to. My true intent is to try to get people to re- realize and appreciate the things that they have, rather than live regretting the things that they don't have. 
And I think that if that message were to come about, then I would feel like I had accomplished something. The other thing, too, with the story and, and the point where it's really kind of to my daughter is to make sure that uh, anybody reading it kind of gets a sense that there's challenges that we'll always face and there's things that we don't know or understand, but we need to believe in ourselves and we can get through anything. Um, and I think that um, between that and finding the people that you can trust to help you get through the challenges in life, that those are important lessons and sometimes we forget about that. So uh, if people were to take those two messages out of the story, then I would I, I would be pretty proud of that. Fred, you have been absolutely delightful. I really, really like the book and I wish you the best of luck with it. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I appreciate the time and thank you so much. Our time is up, and we'd like to thank you for yours. Remember, pick up a good book and read.